On behalf of Pastor Henry Harder and the Renewal Singers, I welcome you to another broadcast of What's New. I'm Ed Peters. We return today to Acts chapter 9 and to Luke's account of the conversion of Saul of Tarsus. After the stoning of Stephen, Saul began his campaign against the church in Jerusalem. The believers in Jerusalem fled the city and were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. But wherever they went, they proclaimed the good news of the gospel and the church grew daily. So Saul, in his attempt to stop this new order, asks for and receives a letter from the high priest in Jerusalem to pursue the people of the way that had fled to the city of Damascus, arrest them, and bring them back to Jerusalem. On the way, however, he is blinded by a light from heaven and instructed by Jesus himself to go into the city and await further instructions. Now we come to verses 10 through 16 of Acts chapter 9 and to Luke's account of what happened next. He continues as follows. Now there was in Damascus a believer named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision calling Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. And the Lord said, Go over to Straight Street and find a house of a man named Judas and ask there for Saul of Tarsus. He is praying to me right now, for I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying his hands on him so that he can see again. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I have heard about this terrible things that this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem, and we hear that he has arrest warrants with him from the chief priest authorizing him to arrest every believer in Damascus. But the Lord said, Go and do what I say, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the nations and before kings as well as to the people of Israel, and I will show him how much he must suffer for me. truly see how 
When Saul began his persecution outside of Jerusalem, he moved to the city of Damascus. Damascus represented much more to Saul, the strict Pharisee, than another stop on his campaign of repression. It was the hub of a vast commercial network with far-flung lines of caravan trade reaching into North Syria, Mesopotamia, Anatolia, Persia, and Arabia. If the new way flourished in Damascus, it would quickly reach all these places. From the viewpoint of the Sanhedrin and Saul, the arch-persecutor, it had to be stopped in Damascus. So we see that Saul was successful. He did reach the city of Damascus, but not exactly the way that he planned. We now see this brilliant young man sitting in darkness and confusion. He is waiting for a man named Ananias, who only three days earlier he would have arrested, to lay his hands on him so that his sight may be restored. Now, here with our study is Pastor Henry Harder. When Saul encountered the risen, ascended Christ on the Damascus Road, he was enveloped in a magnificent light. Heaven, Jesus, God, and believers there are so often associated in the Bible with an indescribable light. Even Moses, when he had been in the presence of God, came down the mountain with his face glowing with light. Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration was glowing with light. When John got a glimpse into heaven, he saw that same indescribable light. People who claim to have died and returned can't describe what they saw except to speak of a brightness, a light. This experience left no doubt in Paul's mind that he was in touch with the other dimension. He fell to the ground and he heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Saul asked, Who are you, Lord? The voice replied, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what to do. When Saul opened his eyes, he couldn't see. He was blinded. 
So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he couldn't see, and he didn't eat or drink. Now the narrative leaves Paul for a moment and focuses on another man, a man named Ananias, a believer, a disciple of Christ. Here is the story in Luke's own words. In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias? Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has come here with the authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. There is no question. Ananias was a disciple of Christ. He was not an escapee from Jerusalem, although he had heard of Saul's persecution of the Christians. He was a resident of Damascus, yet the gospel had reached him and he had accepted it. Later, when Paul recounted his conversion before the mob in Jerusalem, he mentions Ananias. He spoke of him as a devout Jew and zealous for the law. That's an interesting point. He was a devout Jew according to the law, yet he was a Christian. A Jew doesn't become a non-Jew when he accepts Christ. There was a time when it seemed that a Jew had to become almost a Gentile in order to believe in Christ. And Ananias remained a devout Jew in every respect. His Jewishness was not in jeopardy. He was highly respected, the record says, by all the Jews, and he believed in Jesus. He was therefore a suitable vehicle for God to use to bring the message of Christ to this young Pharisee rabbi Saul. Luke notes that God sent Ananias to Saul, who was staying at the house of a man named Judas, on a street called Straight. Straight Street was an east-west thoroughfare and is still one of the main streets in the city. It had impressive gates on either end and colonnaded halls on either side. Ananias was directed to this street and to a certain house where he could find Saul. Then Luke adds the significant phrase, he is praying. That was important to the Lord and to Luke to add that point. This wasn't a self-righteous, pharisaic prayer. Paul had been in contact with Jesus in the dimension of eternity, and prayer is the way man can communicate with Jesus. It is possible for man to communicate with the other world and with God. It always amazes me to see how many of us are embarrassed to pray. It seems to me that that is one of the greatest features about the Christian faith. Eternity is no longer a closed book. It's open to us all. God, who is spirit, is able to hear us and understands our limited languages. I find it fascinating that we humans can speak to the God of the universe and of heaven. And I find it even more fascinating that God speaks to us humans in our language.
His message is written in the book we call the Bible, and it bears record of God's greatest word to man, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Paul made much use of prayer in the awesome ministry God called him into in the years ahead. Prayer for Paul must have been different than it was before his overpowering experience. He now knew Jesus, who had been crucified and buried, was alive and active, and Saul had fallen prostrate before him. Even the angels fall prostrate before him. radio production of Creative Encounters. Our mailing address is Post Office Box 848, Shafter, California, 93263, USA.